Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. What's up, everybody? My name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run a YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds because we talk about real stuff. Um, and so this is my idea of, like, Sunday night is time to talk about teacher stuff and get people ready for the week. And if there's not that many weeks left, actually, for the for the school year so it's pretty interesting tonight there's a lot going on outside of my house as people are are popping on here i have we have most of the neighborhood playing in front of my house so there are tons of kids out here screaming there's also what's up i'm here um there's also a an abandoned house on my corner that has a fire alarm that keeps going off so the fire department just showed up outside so this could get a little bit loud um i'm here i was I was diligently editing the Belize video today with you in it. And so I was looking at your image a lot today. Um, and I, it was making me insane because iMovie keeps messing it up and it is not letting me, it's like messing up everything that I already did on the Belize video. So this video is taking forever. So I'm going to try and finish it tonight and then that's going to be it. I'm just done with it. It'll be as good as I can possibly make it. But, um, That'll be that. What's up, Ella Jane? Stephanie Henry? Stephanie Henry, I got your text and I didn't answer you back yet. Um, Becca from Germany. It's 11 p.m. Uh, here and I'm more of an early riser. You stayed awake for the lot. Thanks a lot, Becca. Uh, Lil Becca, wait. No, that wasn't Becca, was it? Whose husband sent us the picture of her? I'm not sure. That was from Germany. Yeah. Was that you, Becca, that your husband sent me the picture of you? I think, no, I think their name was... Megan or Morgan. No, he didn't tell us his wife's name. No, he emailed me and said that oh, I didn't how much that. he liked it. Yeah. Uh, Lily and who else? Amir. That's why I don't deal with eye products and devices. Great. Thanks, Jones. It's the it's the best editing software besides like Premiere Pro, though. Um, nope, not married. All right. Maybe maybe it was from the future, Becca. Maybe someone from the future, <laughs> your future husband sent me a picture of you. Um, Naomi Plummer from Australia. Wow. So what time is it, Naomi? What time is it in Australia right now? Morning, isn't it? Um, wow. What's up, Mike? Thanks a lot, man. That's awesome. Uh, what, like, how long have you been teaching? Um, I'm, I'm just interested. Nick, the happy teacher. What's up, man? It's 11 p.m. in France. Um, Nicholas, we're gonna we're gonna meet someday. So at some point, I'm gonna find myself. I almost I had the opportunity to go to Paris last year, and my wife told me I wasn't allowed to go to Paris <laughs> because she couldn't come with me. And she was like, "You're not going to Paris by yourself. Like you cannot go without me." No, she thought I was gonna I don't know walk away with another wife or something like that. So it's a Rome. Like that was less romantic or something. Out of the two, I'd rather go to Paris. All right, all right. Out of the two, you'd rather go to Paris? All right, fair enough. So at one point, I will be there. Um, the English Master, first live event, um, I am a fairly good actor. Uh, so, because I think teaching is 90% acting. Um, what's up, man? I'm glad I got to put your picture in the uh, in the video the other week. Um, Wait, what are you saying? Oh, he said it. Uh, fishing up. First full year of student. You have full year of student teaching? That's wild. What is? That's great. So are you in the U.S., Mike, that you're doing a full year of student teaching? That's wild. Um, Lily says, it's really tiring and fast to teach. Uh, that is. Oh, in Jersey? You had a full year? What? That's wild. That. I only had like, I had like from September to December. So I guess it was like a semester long, um, essentially, but that's nuts. Um, do you have any job prospects already or what? It's interesting. Um, so at, while people are signing on here, I just want to say one more time. The, oh, did the fire department leave? Yeah. All right. So there's an abandoned, we have a lot of abandoned houses in our neighborhood. So there's an abandoned house on the corner. Um, I should talk about our neighborhood at some point. We live in a neighborhood that like we moved to because we felt like they could use good neighbors. And so like, maybe I should make a video about this at some point. So there was, there was us and two other families that moved into the neighborhood and 
that, that were friends of ours and we all lived together for a while. And then we had two houses and then we had three houses and then more and more people kept moving into the neighborhood to be a part of what we were doing. And at last count, there was something like 50 adults, right, that lived in the neighborhood and then all of their kids. So there's a lot of us in the neighborhood, uh, but there's still a lot of abandoned houses and stuff. And the one on the corner, the fire alarm, they have this giant bell on the outside of the house. And it keeps ringing incessantly all day. So my neighbor finally called the police department and the fire department came and the paramedics came and the whole neighborhood's outside. And then all the kids <laughs> from the neighborhood are all playing Nerf battles outside. So it's pretty... It's pretty lively out here today, so I don't know what's going to happen and, and what kind of... The only thing I remember about Gloucester is getting lost because no one, Kayla, no one comes to my neighborhood unless they mean to come to my neighborhood. Like, no one... You either get lost or it's not on the way to anywhere. It's just on the river, and we call it East Philly. Oh, Mike um, so Mike said, my master's program is in full swing, but this but will here. soon become a new Jersey requirement. I'm looking for jobs. That's... Interesting. Here's what I don't like about that, Mike. I'm going to say, I think I think student teachers should get paid. I mean, you do all that work and you literally can't have another job while you're doing it. Like you're just planning all the time. And we went into major credit card debt. And to the point where like since then, I got rid of all of my credit cards. I paid all of that off. Um, we don't dare get and one. I would I'd never have had a credit card since then because I don't want that that problem again so yeah it's uh we it sucked um brenda park said i'm using imovie right now for the end of my year slideshow it, i typically imovie works fine but for some reason i'm working on this belize video and it's making so me crazy because it's so much footage it's it, right now it's at like 45 minutes long i'm trying to pare it down but it's just doing all this quirky we stuff in, in the States, we don't get paid uh yeah so Nicholas, we don't get paid in the U.S. for student teaching. And a lot of teachers don't get paid in the summer either. Where I teach in Philadelphia, we do. I get a paycheck every two weeks regardless. But when I worked in Jersey, I didn't get a paycheck from June 15th until September 15th, which meant I was like working at retail stores. I was cutting people's lawns. I was doing odd jobs. I did just I was like a, this far away from starting a lemonade stand in the front of my house. Uh, it was, it was nuts. So real quick question before I, so if you have a question that you have going on or something you're wondering about, please put it in the comment section and I'd love to get to those and I'll try and help your other comments too. Cause I like that, that piece of it. Um, here's what I'm thinking. I am thinking about move. So I, I'm only going to do the live feeds on Sundays until the, I think, I think, unless I, I hear otherwise, so I'm undecided. I feel like I would stop at the end of the, at least the North American school year, right? But because I'm not sure how much of the rest of the world goes all summer or if this is worthwhile for people all summer. I am starting a podcast that's getting the initial, like the test run is going getting recorded this week where I'm going to make, um, I'm, we're doing a podcast with uh, Megan from Too Cool for Middle School who lives in California and teaches at one type of school. Me and I teach at a totally different type of school. And then my friend Ryan Parker who has the Instagram account Peace Love Parker and that dude is awesome. And he's um, teaching at a way different school up in Connecticut. And so we're going to record these and then we're going, that, that will talk about like hot topics in education at the moment. And so because the news moves so fast that will give us a time to like mark that I'm thinking about moving this actual live feed to Facebook. And I didn't know if that was something that people would follow. Would you go over to Facebook? Do you use Facebook like that? Do you, is this a better platform? Um, because at the end of the day, all of this, everything I'm doing, all the stuff that I put on YouTube, all the stuff that I put on Facebook and Instagram is all for everyone else, right? Like I don't get, I get paid barely anything for doing any of this stuff. And I only get paid from YouTube. But um, at this point, we're just trying to like grow what we're doing. And we want to make it the most convenient for everyone else. The problem with YouTube is when this doesn't get an, enough, when this doesn't get like, let's say a 1000 views, then my next video doesn't get pushed by YouTube. 
And that's fine for me. Like, I don't care if I get, I don't care about views or, or any of that stuff. But what I care about is that it's not getting pushed to so that more people can see it. And it's not being able to help more people. So just let me know if you can in the comments, like, what works best for you? Like, would you go to Facebook? Does this work better? Um, do you not even have a Facebook? I have zero idea. Um, so that's what I'm just kind of wondering about. So while I'm waiting for questions real quick, um, this week was another non-vlog worthy week because we were doing state testing and they, I, my job was to read the state test to students who needed that, who had like an IEP that said that they needed um, someone to read the test to them, which was real weird when I was reading the biology test and I don't know a lot of terms in biology. So the kids were like, like you, eukaryotic cells, why is there E in the beginning? Why don't they just skip the E because I was having a hard time figuring that one out. Or like Latin. <laughs> but sucks the, it, Val. It sucks like. because then there was like, there were like all these biological terms like in Latin that I didn't know how to pronounce. And I'm thinking I am doing a disservice. But luckily the kids knew everything that I was messing up. But, you know, it was kind of fun. I was reading like in voices. Like if there was a, it was a converse, the question was maybe a conversation between four students. I would just like read in four different voices and it made it a little bit easier we got to take a lot more breaks and kind of had a little bit of fun in between the breaks. And I can't normally do that with a class of about 30 kids that's testing. So it was weird and I can't record during any of that stuff. And I didn't want to record even in the school while the test was going on. So it was uh, like not a noteworthy week in the world of education in Philadelphia. Oh, but on Friday I got to go to Marley's uh, class trip and they give Jen I all the, uh, all the wacky kids. So I got to like go be super wacky with all the wacky kids and they were stoked. And for whatever reason, we always get the largest group of kids. We do get the largest group. <laughs> um, I think as they know, Maybe that's a compliment they feel like them. we have the ability to handle those kids because we're crazier than they are. Mm. So what do we got? Any questions? Um, Ryan said any first year teaching advice? First year teaching advice. So one, I have... It's maybe one of my most ridiculous thumbnails, but I have a video, I have two videos that I would request you and then I can give you some, I, I, I'll talk on top of that. One is surviving your first year teacher, which I made for Rutgers, New Jersey. I made a video for them, for their students. And it is the body of the rock with my head on it um, for the thumbnail. And then I also made a video with uh, the lettered classroom last June. And the thumbnail that is just, she and I on that. We can, can you write a note? We'll link those below. Uh, so when this vote video posts, I can link those below for you also. And we did like a whole, like through student teaching, how would you use that time? How would you use that time for like the first year of teaching? What should you know? I would say, you know, I, a lot of times I give the same advice. So I'm going to try and like branch out and say it's something a little bit different this time. That's still just as relevant. One, don't sign up for everything. First year teachers a lot of times feel like they have to sign up for everything. Like every time they ask you to do something, you sign up for it. And what that does is it like sometimes gets you involved in things that you're not super passionate about. Like you might end up being an English teacher that's running the robotics program. And it's like, if you don't like robotics, don't do it. Especially because robotics programs don't even have transformers in them, which is like, dude, hello, can we make transformers in real life? Or can this at least look like Big Hero 6? But it doesn't. Um, so be mindful of that. Just don't sign up for every single thing. The other part is do not just stay in your room. Go to get to know other teachers because building that community or being part of the community in your school makes it bearable on days that you're having a hard time, makes it worth it when you are like, so it's not just the students because the students keep moving on every year. And some kids you see again and some kids you don't, but the teachers are the thing that's going to be the constant every year. And so even if you find one other person that you really get down with, it just makes school so much better and more fun. And then do things with those folks outside of school. So last night, my former co-teacher, Miss Yonkers, went to a wedding. She needed a date. So <laughs> I went with her. And it was awesome because I didn't know anybody there. I've never, ever been to a wedding where I've only known the person I went with. So I gave... I. I'm not going to curse. I just didn't care. And I 
danced all night and I didn't know anyone and I danced by myself a lot, but I just, I think you after 40, after 40, yeah, you just like my whole life, I just made my own fun. I just give less craps anymore. Like I just, I'm, I'm not messing around. If there's dancing and free food, I'm a hundred percent into that situation. So, and I'm not even, you need this. Yes. And I'm not even a good dancer, but I just don't care. It's fun. And I just dance like it's fun. Um, so those are my two quick tips and be yourself. Um, that's the other thing I would say is like, don't try and be what you think everyone is supposed to be in their first year. Like just be yourself. Be, if you're funny, be funny. If you're serious, be serious. Don't try, don't be funny on the inside. And then you like just fake silliness. It's just not, it's not worth it. Um, and so like my friend, the English master would tell you like, you know, acting is a part of teaching. Like sometimes you have to act like you're excited about something when you're not, but don't just pretend to be, uh, to, to be mean. If you're not mean, it's just, it's going to be a bummer. Um, Kayla Crozier is asking, how do you balance teacher life and family life? Who, uh, better than us. Now my dog's making crazy noises behind me. Are you all right? Selling you is going to throw up. It uh, happens on live YouTube feeds. Uh, I'd say I I balance teacher life and regular life and anything by by adjusting. So like I, I'm constantly adjusting. There's never like I don't I can't have like a set schedule. Because some weeks I want to get out more videos than other weeks. Some weeks I'm really excited about videos and I just want to get them out. Some weeks, uh, oh, are you all right? I mean, go for it if you gotta do it. Clean up. No, I think it's his allergies. Yeah, my dog has allergies. Come on, I thought dogs were tougher than this. Come on, uh, so I think I try my best to like if I see that my kids need more attention, then I pay more attention to my kids. Or sometimes. I'll, my kids will let me know, like, Dad, you're not hanging out with us very much lately. Well, that means I'm going to do it. Oh, there's another dog on my step. This is the wildest live feed. There's some random dog walked up on my porch, and my dog's about to jump through the window. Um, here we go. So I have to constantly, like, bounce back and forth, and it's not easy. I find that most of my stuff that I do for YouTube, I have to either wake up early in the morning and work on it, or I just stay up very late at night. And I'll stay up until 11 o'clock at night, um, usually not too much later than that, and and work on stuff after my kids go to bed. Because I like to answer every single email. I typically answer all of my emails in, in video form so people have like a video to go off of and it's faster for me. I like to answer as many of my comments as I can. So there's a lot of other stuff besides just making videos. So it's it's about just being aware of how much am I spending enough time with my kids? No, go spend time with my kids and adjust. And so like this week, I thought I was going to get a lot more videos out. And I didn't because I just needed a lot more family time this week. And, you know, that's a thing when you have kids, you just are constantly trying to figure that that balance out. And I don't think you do, you ever do. There's never like, if I spend two hours, with my, you know, I every day I'm going to spend four to six with my kids because it doesn't work that way. Sometimes things get pushed further or sometimes you have to go food shopping or sometimes, I don't know, someone falls off a skateboard and you got to like nurse them back to health. Um, so they're out there skateboarding right now. Becca B is asking, how do you organize yourself? Do you use any specific kind of planner or do you just wing it? So that's a great question. Uh, I, in my life am very organized. My classroom is extremely organized where I have this like creation I made behind my desk where the tape is all in the same spot. All the colored pencils are in the same spot. Markers are in the same spot. Um, fake mustaches are all in the same spot. Stickers are in the same spot. And what that allows me to do is it helps me to um, sort of like have kids be able to get things out from behind my desk. In terms of planning for the week, I typically plan on Sundays and I just write out roughly what I'm trying to get done that week. I do not plan down to the letter and the reason that I don't do that is because one, I've been teaching the same thing for a long time. And I know if I think like, okay, this week we're going to finish this book. I remember this is the activity that I'm going to do. And this is the music that I need to go along with that activity and use the supplies. Like I already remember a lot of that stuff. So I don't need to 
sit down and write it all out. So I just found out that next year, I won't be teaching 10th grade again. I'm only teaching ninth grade, which is my preferred grade because I like having the younger guys. Um, and I can, I already know like most of what I'm going to do now next year. I am going to teach, I think two new books. So for that, I do have to plan out like a lot more, but I'm, uh, I just have a field. I don't know if I have it around right now. I get field notes books with the graph paper on the inside. And I just like jotting everything down in there, but I don't, I'm not like an extensive planner. And the other part for that too, is like, I like, things being new every year. I like, so after, excuse me, after this summer, all of my vocab and everything that I do will be based on something different because it'll be based on whatever the kids are into, like what movies, what TV shows, what songs come out this summer that will be hot. And I like it to move in that sort of way where it's fresh every single year instead of just being the same. Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Um, My friend Nicholas is asking, uh biology piece of cake what do you think about standardized testing i so that's a good question i see in some reasons why we do standardized testing right like in you know i oh man this is a long answer but there's a difference between isn't there is there a difference between benchmark testing and standardized testing so i in no not really so like i do All right. So I'm going to say it like this. This is the short version of a very long answer. I like to get a sense of who my guys are in the beginning of the year. And so to have some sort of test or assessment to know, like, are you on a very, very low reading level, like a second grade reading level, or or are you closer to a sixth grade or a ninth grade? It gives me a sense of like who you are and how you read, what your writing looks like, how well do you write that? I like that idea. But forcing kids to take standardized tests or basing the, their ability to graduate from high school on standardized tests is nonsense. I also don't like that we make um, students who are in the special education world, like if you have like an IEP or something along those lines, which is like a, uh, like a plan for each individual student. Like, so like some kids have to get read aloud. Some kids don't like they get, a, they get extra time. Their homework is different. Making students that struggle and have certain needs take a standardized test. They don't, they are already not getting a standardized education. So when we make kids that have a hard time reading take a test, it's nonsense. When we make kids that like have it's like it's like we're saying we'll we'll individualize your education program. But when it comes to testing, everyone's the same. Everyone does it the same. And they can say kids have extra time. But like if you spend five hours taking a three-hour test, are we really imagining that you're going to do just as well, like just because you had extra time? No, because you're burnt out. Five hours of anything is hard. You go try and do five hours of something. It sucks. And so I don't like standardized testing for that reason. I just think that it – it's, it's bad. I think it's a money-making machine and that it's not really, we're not using it for what we need it for. I think we'd be much better off trusting teachers to actually be professionals, which we do not do in, in, I don't feel like most teachers are treated as professionals. I think they're treated as cogs in a machine. And when we realize that teachers are not a cog, that they are actual individuals that have studied this craft and are growing in this craft. And if they're not, we should just get rid of them then those teachers should come up with assessments that they feel like would best benefit their students. And so they can see where their students are. Um, That's my little rant about, that's the short version of that rant. Uh, Diary of a Mad Black teacher who I'll be meeting up with next month is asking any advice on student who is stealing. (laughs) Uh, I have a couple of good answers for that one. I'm losing my stuff um, quick. And trust me, I've spoken to the parent, referred them to the dean and the social worker. He makes the environment uncomfortable. Um, she I've had, said that she thinks she might have asked this one before. But she's not sure. I don't think we've talked about this before. Here's what I do. I, one, will talk to students about the fact that, like, I try to make my classroom the greatest classroom that they've ever walked into in their lives. And when you steal from me, you're really, you're not really just stealing from me. You're stealing from yourself. You're stealing from everyone else. And so, for some kids, that works. For other kids... I have like, so I had 
these in, I have a set of lockers. If you watch any of my videos in the front of my room, I have this very big table and underneath are a set of six lockers. And in those lockers, I bought motion lights from Amazon where you have like a, a, like when you open the locker up, they're battery powered and a light comes on and it's cool. Well, some kid saw them last year and he stole them. So when I got new ones, I, they were, they're just a magnet that goes on the top of the locker. I glued them on with construction adhesive so they can never come off. But I also like wiped Vaseline all over it so that if someone ever tried to grab it, they got Vaseline all over their hands and they walked away pissed off. I also do this with uh, my guys this year are real into like the door jam that goes around the door. They come in my room and they jump up and try and hit it like they're dunking a basketball as hard as they can. So that also has, and you can't see it, so it doesn't look messy or anything. I wipe Vaseline all over that thing. So every time someone hits it, they get pissed off because they got Vaseline all over their hand. No, that doesn't have to do with so. No, it's just a fun story to tell. I also, I don't, I don't trust students to, to not just to not steal, but to put things back where they belong. So a lot of times I hide stuff. I have a book in my room that I hollowed out on the inside and I keep my projector remote in there. I um, lock everything up. I don't leave anything important on my desk so that it doesn't disappear. And that's not, like I said, it's not just because kids steal, but like teachers will, will borrow stuff or they will forget to return it. So I write my name on everything or I carve my name into everything or I spray paint my name on everything, like every stool, every chair, every desk, everything has my name on it in my room so that it minimizes that sort of happening. So yeah, I just think that that's kind of like one of the ways that I deal with that. And then I don't know, I, you know, the longer I teach, I'll say this real quick, the longer I teach, the more I realize that every single student has a story. Everyone acts the way that they do for some reason or another. And I think instead of just trying to, to stop that from happening, is that a student that you can have a talk with and try and figure out like, why are you taking stuff? Because I've had kids steal money from me before and I know who they were and I know that they needed it. And that conversation sounded more like, dude, if you need money, if you need a 10 bucks, just ask me, I would be more than happy to give it to you. But like, if you're going to steal 10 bucks from me, then our relationship is like really shot. Um, so next question, Ryan Preto is saying, honest question, how much sleep do you get? Is it enough? So I think most of the time it is. I typically try to go to bed. My goal is to go to bed at 11 o'clock. And then I wake up at quarter to six in the morning. I only need six and a half to seven hours of sleep a night. Uh, my wife needs more than that. But what I've been trying to map, the whole neighborhood just walked in my house. They're trying to quietly walk behind me up the steps and they're doing so in a fairly good manner. Hello, daughter. So okay. what? All right, Hit the road. Bye, guys. I don't even know those kids. Um, I do know you. I just kidding. You're, I'm the reason you got here. So uh, one of the things I try to do is is improve the quality of my sleep. So in the last few months, I bought uh, room darkening curtains. I went to Ikea and they weren't that expensive, right? So we got like these curtains, they make our room so dark that the little light on the television, in the room that blinks at night now looks like like you're in like a spotlight. It looks like a spotlight in your eyes. Like when you close your eyes, you can see the blue blinking light. So you have to like put something in front of it every night. Uh, that really, really helps. They say that like having a room as dark as you can makes your sleep better. And also we bought a new mattress from, uh, this is not a paid advertisement, but if you want to hook it up, homies, let me know. Uh, we got a, one of those mail order mattresses from Nectar. And that's really great too. They got, gave us free pillows too with our order. And so I find that if I'm getting more quality sleep, then I think I can, I think that's really helping me in the classroom. I feel better in the morning. I feel more awake. So yeah, I think it's not just the amount of sleep that I get, but like the quality. Um, it's quality, man, not quantity. Uh, come on, man. He's infused, dude. The Scottish revert teacher who's staying up very late to watch this. What's up, buddy? Uh, she said, what is your end of the year like for teachers and students at your school? It's madness. That's what it is. It's complete madness. Because once students realize that they're failing, they are done with the year. They're going to fail for the year. Why would I do any work? Once kids realize that they are passing for the year, they're done for the year. So why would they do any more work? So they're finished. One of the things our school does really well, though, I think is, 
So this next, starting tomorrow, I have only a four-day week because here in the U.S., we have Memorial Day next weekend. So my school has a Friday and Monday for Memorial Day. I have four days, and those are my last four days of the school year of actual classwork that I will put in my grade book. The following week is just review for the final exams. That's also only a three- or four-day week. Then the first week of June, I think that's the first week of June, right? I think it is. But that is just for finals. And the way, so end of May, we're done actual classes. First week of June, we have the way that they run it is like Monday is just first and second period. You come in for your finals. If you don't have a first period, you don't have to come in for your final. If you only have a first period final and you don't have a second period final, you can leave after your first period final. And so Monday's first and second, Tuesday's third and fourth and so on. And then Friday are just like makeups in case someone was sick or, or whatever, and they couldn't make it to the final. Um, and then that's it. Then we're pretty much done except for graduation. And I really like that we do that. I, under no circumstances, would never, ever, ever again show like just a movie the last week of school or do like just chalk it and mail it in. I teach the whole time because I find that that consistency makes the kids like, not as nuts at the end of the year. If I don't do that and I try and show a movie, I have 19 people that want to go to the bathroom, kids that are falling asleep, kids that are goofing around because they know that the end is here and they're just waiting it out. So I just act like, nope, we're teaching full on for the rest of the year and that's how we're going to get down. So it, it works well that way. Now there's a motorcycle racing down the street. Um, Jacob Compton is asking... Do you think there are benefits from international pen pals for secondary students? I'm wondering how middle schoolers could benefit um, from my connection to English teachers in Germany. Any idea? Yeah, I think it's an awesome idea. So years ago, my wife and I went to Africa and we lived in Zambia and I worked at all girls school there. And so while I was there, I had all of my students write letters to what would become my first year of students that I would ever have. And when I came back, I asked who wanted a pen pal in Africa and kids that wanted it. I handed out those letters. They all wrote letters back to Africa. I mailed all of those. And for years, they communicated with those kids that, that lived in Africa. And it was awesome because one of the things I think is really interesting um, and it, just in general, like, you know, so many of us feel like our lives are just like kind of ordinary or they're not that there's not that interesting of stuff going on, but you're ordinary is someone else's extraordinary, right? Which sounds like a bumper sticker, but you like what the way things roll out for me in West Philly every day is going to be way different than, you know, than my friend Megan's would be in California or my friend Darren would be in Southern California or my friend Ryan would be in Connecticut or the, my friend, the, the Scottish revert teacher would be in Scotland or, um, you know, like, all these folks from all over the world, it's just so much different. So I think that would be awesome. Even when I take, so I took my dudes who are like, my students are in West Philadelphia, like it's about 99% African-American at my school. We drove five miles away to a very affluent um, school that was primarily a white school. And the conversations that my guys had with those kids, you would have thought we were on a different planet. Like, and th things were just blowing their mind. Like, so the fact that like, this is a really goofy example, but my guys, if they share a drink, they will not put that bottle on each of their lips. So they just kind of like hover it over their mouth and they just pour it into their mouth. Right. And my guys call that a pop. Well, the white kids at this other school call it a waterfall. And my guy, this like blew everyone's mind. What do you mean? It's a waterfall. That's not what it's called. It's called doing a, giving someone a pop. And the, the kids at the other school, like couldn't get that. And so I just think that the cultural differences from your students, even five miles away from your school could be wildly different than they are a thousand miles away. So I think I would totally do that. It would be super fun. Mike Keenan is asking, how do you get a whole class back on track when they get distracted? Uh, this is super childish, but I actually want to do, I want to make a video about this because I don't think people would believe me that this works for me every time, every day. If some of these dudes might be watching right now, my four or five, my, so my, my four or five is like dead in the middle of the day. Right. And so that class is 30, 31 students. It is a lot of energy in a lot of 
kids, right? And so when I leave the room to speak to someone and I leave anyone else in there with them, the kids usually are get amped. I mean, they're on 11. I can hear them in the hallway. So I really have to minimize the amount of time that I spend talking to kids in the hallway. I walk back into the classroom and one, after doing this enough, typically my presence alone, like has gives a dip to the energy. But what really works is I stand in front of the room and I go four, three, two, two, one. <laughs> Yay for me, because I teach English for a reason. Um, I can get almost 100%, if not 100% of the kids to be absolutely quiet by the time that I'm done. And if I don't, I will stare at you and I will tell you, I'll be like, Barry, I need you to actually sit down right now. Um, and then all the other kids with nicknames, like uh, Cowboys, usually obviously Cowboy. I need you to, here we are, we're sitting down now. Look at what we're doing. Look at what everyone else is doing right now. They're all sitting down. This is what we're doing too. And, or I will make a joke about it and say like, Bennett, you are, this is my whole gig is like, this is the only time in my life when people listen to me. Could you please stop talking so that everyone will listen to me? And I get a hundred percent compliance every day. Like I don't have one kid that keeps talking when I'm talking. And if I, if that ever does happen, I am never, ever afraid to stare in the eyes of a child. And I think when you are, when you won't let a kid like melt you because they're not like, cause sometimes kids look at you and they give you that look like they're about to cut you. If you try and like, I'm finishing my conversation, I don't care. Or I'll walk over, gently put my hand on your shoulder. And that works all the time. And you just start it right in the very beginning of the year. And it seems sort of childish, like, you know, kids are in preschool or something, but you just don't care because it works and whatever works, works. And that's what I tell the kids. Like, I'm not afraid to do anything because you learning is the number one reason that we're here. We can have fun and I do all kinds of wild stuff. So, uh, and, and not to go into that too much, but like, when I do these crazy things or when I do something funny or when I do something nuts or when I make it like a outlandish joke or blow bubbles and everyone loses their stuff, I go, all right, I need you to be back in three, two, one. And I can usually get them back by three or two before they even get to one. And then I just say, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. Like it says a lot. So that's my, that's my way that I do it. Yeah. It's a two part question. Uh, am I going to say this right this week? I don't do, she did it phonetically. I think it's Nayara, right? Am I right? Uh Nayara, I think I got it right. Uh, My friend from China, the music teacher from China is saying, Nayara, could you remind me, where are you from initially? I feel like you're from the US, but I don't remember where. No? I don't know. Did I just decide she was from the US? I don't know. I'm interested anyway. She said, okay, so I teach men's choir for most of the year. We have to answer, we have answer time. We, We have... Had an awesome time in class. Getting closer to the end, though, it's been getting crazier. But in talking to one of the boys I'm close to, he says men's choir to him doesn't feel that crazy. He says it feels like a family and that he gained 19 brothers this year. We're almost at the end. Do I push to make it better or do I let it ride? I would. So that's a really good question. I would say this. Sometimes your class can feel crazy because you, your expectations are up here or this is what you think it should look like. But I know my classes that feel more comfortable with one another. I do have a harder time getting 100% compliance all the time because I know them and I know who they are. And it's funny because sometimes like some other teacher or an administrator will walk in the room and they, what they think is madness is like totally normal. Like this is how we roll in this particular class. Cause not all of my classes look the same. Some I need you seated and quiet so we can get through what we need to get through. Others kids can sit wherever they want. They can sit on the windowsill, lay on the couch, they can lay on the floor. I don't care. What you, as long as you're doing what I need you to do and we're learning, I don't really care where you are in the room and other room classes cannot handle that. Like certain dudes cannot sit near other dudes because it gets crazy. So I would ask your students, I would say, Hey, what do you think about um, like, so this is what I'm noticing in here. And I, I want everyone to feel comfortable. I feel like we are a family, but what I need is like, just because we're a family doesn't mean we can be like hog wild all the time. Like we have to like bring it, in. And so when I need you to do that, I need you to listen because even at home, right? Like you, you're a family, 
but it's not just like the lost boys that are with Peter Pan all the time. They're not just like having food fights and jumping off of the ceiling fan and stuff. You know, mom has to keep you guys under wraps sometimes as well. So I would have that conversation with them and say, but I don't, I don't want to like crush anyone because I feel like we've made such progress this year and it's become a really wonderful place that I look forward to coming into telling kids stuff like that. As long as it's from your heart, I think that buys you a lot of leverage and kids do not want to disappoint someone that they feel so close to. And so have that conversation with your students and just see what they say. And I think you'll win with that. She's from Atlanta, Georgia. She's from Atlanta, Georgia. Told you from the U S yeah. Yeah. Um, at, oh, is this the second question or? No, this is someone new. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I was confusing the names. Naomi Plummer is asking, as a pre-service high school teacher, I am worried about quickly remembering 100 students' names. Do you have any tips? Oh, my God. <laughs> Do I? Do you have any tips for getting uh, this down in the first few weeks? All right. <clears throat> first, Naomi, and anyone else that wants this, I would say, excuse me, hold on. <clears throat> it's live. You have that water? Hold on one second. Now back to our program. Um, email me and I'll send you my seating chart. The way that I set up my seating chart is in a grid so that when I look at it, I can look at the students and I know where everyone's sitting. This is why I have a seating chart at all. And I have, I know I can remember names quicker. The other thing that works for me, it's not going to work for everyone, is I do nicknames for most of my kids. I'm just terrible at remembering people's names and some of the, my students names are are just very different than anything I, you know i grew up with larry and aj and paul and danny and those were names that i am more accustomed to remembering and so if i have a student like uh my first year ever i don't know that she watches this channel i had a student whose name was squisquiniash and that name wrecked me and it was, you know, she had a story behind it and everything, or I have kids whose name, I have a student, this name, um, I believe the real name, the, the way to pronounce his name is, uh, I have Juwani and I have Shuab and I have, um, and then I have other kids like Jeremiah, but, or Jordan, but Jordan looks like the dude from Good Burger. So we just call Jordan Good Burger, or we have John Lane, which sounds a lot like John Wayne. So we just call him Cowboy or Shuab. I just call him Shu or I abbreviate it or I just make up a totally new name. And the kids really like the nicknames. I, I mean, and no one has, no one almost ever has a cool nickname. They're always goofy, like Cheesesteak and Turtle and all these other dudes. They have goofy nicknames. But I find that like the kids that don't have nicknames get really wish they had them. Like I have had kids that come to me looking depressed at the end of the year, like Mr. Reynolds, you went all, we went all year and I didn't, I didn't get a nickname. And it's like some dudes don't get nicknames because I have a kid this year whose last name is Love. Guess what, bro? You don't get a nickname when your last name is Love. Or I have a kid whose last name is Savage. I'm not giving him a nickname. You already have like the most badass last name ever anyway. So I just don't do it. Now my, my neighbor's standing outside the window looking at me as I'm doing the live. Oh, is our dog outside? Yes. Here. And the neighbor's out there. Go stop him from attacking the dog. This is crazy tonight. Uh, so I, um, what am I thinking of now? So that is how I remember kids' names is by making up my own names for them. And I just do it out of love. And so I don't, I'm never trying to like hurt anyone. Uh, my friend, naturally Niani, who I will meet next month also, I think, right? You're going, I, I think I feel like you keep asking this, but my memory is going, I'm too old. Uh, she said, random question, are you... And your awesome family on any other social media. I am. I'm on usually, mostly I use Instagram and then I forward everything to Facebook. But Instagram is my number one social media platform. I sometimes use Twitter. Here's what I'm learning. So my friend Gary Vaynerchuk would say that you need to be on every single social media platform as much as possible. I just, I do not have the time to the, the oh, random the dog, is, random still dog is still walking around in front of my house and the dog's going nuts. I do not have the time to adequately put that much content out, right? Like I'm, I'm teaching, I'm doing something every day. And so I haven't single figured out a way to do that. So I'm, yeah, and I'm not so single dad in it because my wife works late and I'm taking care of my kids. So Instagram is my number one uh, thing that I'm working on right now. 
Do you have another one? There is. There is, but you were chasing, you were saving our neighbor's life <laughs> from a dog. Um, After these messages, we'll be right back. Um, yeah, all right. I didn't read it. Uh, all right, so hopefully it's appropriate. Amanda Teaches is saying, I work at a continuation school. I don't, I don't even know what that is, Amanda. Could you tell me what that is real quick? Uh, I don't know that's like I need to know it for your question, but I don't know what that kind of school is. I work at a continuation school and a huge majority of the students don't care. How do you motivate students to work aside from making more engaging lessons when they absolutely don't care at all? All right, so that makes sense. Um, I will say, one, you're probably, sometimes just don't get every kid to care, right? We, we all want to do this. We all want to like, we all want to win every single kid over and you just can't. Sometimes the forces that are against that child or that are speaking that child outside of school are so loud and your voice is just insignificant in the din of all that madness. But I find that one, building relationships with students, getting to know who they are, what they're about, what their goals are, what they wanna do after high school, what's holding them back really, really helps. It builds trust. It shows kids that you care. It gives you insight into students' lives that you will then be able to utilize. Um, it gives kids uh, a sense of comfort so that when they come in, if something bad did happen that morning or last night, they can come and talk to you about it. And then you can kind of sort of like nip that problem in the bud sometimes and then move on from there. Like if someone had a fight with their mom that morning, you could talk to them about it on the front end and then not have to worry about it. Like it, it will, it's kind of dealt with, right? Uh, or you can, I have kids that have come in like really upset and I'm like, dude, how about you just sit on the couch for the day and we'll just make this up later. Like, so I don't even want you sweating it. And that buys you a lot of leverage with students. I think also for me, one of the things that worked this year was like I said, I teach in a school where um, the majority of my boys are African-American. The majority of my boys, and this is overgeneralizing, but I'm saying the majority, not all of them, uh, do not have a positive real, male role model at home. Um, and this is of their volition, right? Sometimes kids, I don't know, they really do. And I don't, they're, they're 15, but they're, and they're like, that's, he's not a positive male role model. So what, then my parents are still married. And it's like, you're one in a million uh, at our school that, that have that situation. So you should cherish it. Whole another story. Anyway, I, what I try to do is bring in um, positive male role models so my students can see someone that looks like them um, succeeding in some way. I think oftentimes kids don't care because they don't realize that they're going to do it. And I think I'll say this. I think a lot of my students don't try because they don't they can't see themselves succeeding or just as scary they can see themselves succeeding and that scares the hell out of you. Because what if I, what if I do get into college? What if I get to go there and I'm just not that good? What if I go to college and I get through and then I get the job that I always wanted and then I'm not that good at that? And I think that's something we all deal with. So I would say bring someone else in. Kids are a lot of times far more likely to listen to other people that are professionals than they are their own teacher. As long as that person's not just trying to school them on something, but it's just saying, hey, I am a newspaper editor and I love what I do. I run the no kill shelter in town. I am a butcher. I'm, you know, it doesn't matter what it is that they do. I mean, the cooler the job, the more kids are gonna like wanna like be a part of it. But find out what your kids are interested in, whether it's comic books or street art or breakdancing or, you know, selling, I don't know, Pokemon cards online or whatever it is, and then find someone that's a professional at that and bring them into your school. And that has helped me so much this year that I'm going to double the number of speakers that I have come in next week or next year. I'd love to have um, like maybe twice a month, someone come in and just talk to my guys and that will just rule. Uh, naturally, Niani, my buddy is asking, I run a mentoring program successful for girls. That's the name of her um, of her program. But after eight years, I struggle to find and retain male mentors. Any advice on thoughts on why? Uh, so I think that's real, really interesting. Um, I, you know, why aren't there a lot of male teachers? I just, and particularly why are, I just feel like there's in my experience, now I don't want to like 
someone out there is doing this and I don't want to like crush them. I don't think there's a lot of um, male teachers of color out there. And that bothers me because it, what I like, I, even if there were, right? Like, so let's say in my particular case, there were a lot of male teachers of color in my school. I like that my kids have a diverse staff at the school because it lets you in on all these other different cultures and people come from different places and different backgrounds. And I love that sort of melting pot. But I, you know, males in general, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I would- uh, Maybe they're intimidated. Yeah, they, maybe they're intimidated. Maybe, you know- Men have, don't have to girls. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's a good point. So, yeah, I would say, like, in in my experience, men are not, they don't, they're not, they're not interested in being vulnerable very often, right? They're not interested in, like, building deep connections with students that require them to listen to someone else's hurt, to sit with someone else in their hurt, to share their own hurt. And those are the, for me, that's like, that's the good stuff. That's when you actually can teach a child because you know who they are and where they come from and who they want to be. And in a culture where like, I think probably all over the world where men are told like, you know, if, are you crying? I'll give my, dad used to say, I'll give you something to cry about. It's like, dude, I clearly already have something to cry about. That's why I'm crying. Don't need anything else. Thank you for offering. Or you're told to like, go to your room and come back when you can talk to me like a man. When we have that kind of male culture, I just think that, you know, men don't want to go deep with students that, you know, a lot of times they want to like show up, they like the, the content that they're teaching. And so they want to teach science, they want to teach history, they want to teach English. And all that other stuff is like, I'm either going to raise my voice or you're going to do it because I said so. And my guys are just like, I'm not doing anything because you said so, like, uh, because you didn't earn it. So I, I just think that that is probably the issue. I would search more far and wide. Don't look for people that are typically mentors. Look for people that do cool stuff and are willing to be a mentor. Like find folks that would sign up maybe for that they could maybe come in for like um, a shorter amount of time or someone that could like come in once a week. Because I think, I, I also think that once it's, it's like you get hooked, right? Like if you come in every so often and the kids start caring and you start to see kids getting excited and you see that you're actually making a difference, people can get more hooked into that. But um, sorry, <laughs> kill me with that. No. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, she said, She's yeah. saying, no, the program is... You called it something this, else. Oh. And she was saying it was just this... Oh, really intelligent stuff. girls hang together. Uh, Mrs. Wright is that. Oh, Mrs. Wright. Okay, so I would... It is cute name. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe it's because it's girls. Uh, I'll tell you, I teach at an all-boys school. I don't know if I'd like teaching at an all-girls school as much. I see the women that I teach with, and they have a hard time sometimes because it's all boys. And... I think that would be tricky not to say that I wouldn't do it if it, if the situation was right, but um, that could have something to do with it also. But I would just start reaching out to people and say like, look, I do this awesome thing. Would you be willing to come and like participate it? Cause you can literally change people's lives if you do it. Mm, sorry. It's all right. The dog is breathing hot on my leg. Um, we're almost at an hour too. So if you have like one or two more, I don't want to keep people from making dinner. And I got to go food shopping tonight. Here come Wegmans. All right. There's so much. There's dead air now. Uh, well, what do you want me to do? Tell a joke? Oh, here you go. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Good, because I don't have any jokes. Uh, Aaron, who? Just go there. Lu Lutfi? I'm going to go with that. Because uh, I'm terrible at names, Aaron, if you don't know that already. But hello, uh, here from Texas. How do you address students who fear for their safety at school? That is a really great question. Um, and I get that a lot. Uh, so especially after it's kind of is brought up after like yet another school shooting, right? Um, that's it. I'm, I, as a teacher, I don't feel I have the power 
to do much, right? Like if I'm honest, if I don't feel like I can't control the security of our doors or who's buzzing who into the building, or if the delivery guy props the door open while he's getting stuff out of the delivery truck and no one's watching it. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like if someone really wants to get into a school, they could probably find a way to get in. I think one of the things I try to convey to my students is that I deeply, deeply care for them and that I would do anything I had to do for them. So I feel like that hopefully makes kids feel a little bit more at ease. I also try to think about like, not just what am I going to do in in face of a disaster? Like if something's actually happening, like if there's a shooting or if there's a shooter in our school or if something horrific happens and like, what am I going to do in that moment? I let them know about all the stuff I do to try and prevent that. The fact that I try to not let ever let a student feel like they're invisible, that I don't ever let, you know, um, as a cry for help go without being heard that I'll like, at least let that student know that I think that they exist or that I know that they exist, that I, I want to talk to them. I want to give them a safe place in my classroom to explore how they're feeling or to talk about it or to get more help on that situation. So I think, you know, in a culture though, where we are so afraid to do that with students, where we don't want to ask the stuff where that's not our job, or it's the social worker's job, or we want to put that job on someone else. You know, you don't have to go and have like what we call like heavy, um, deep conversations with students. You can just put your hand on their shoulder and like, even that is like something where you're like, can't touch students. You know what? F that. I'm Like if I see a kid that needs some care, I'll just put my hand on your shoulder and say, hey, man, how you doing? Like, are you all right? Is everything cool? Like, let's talk about this. Or and if they say, yeah, 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 everything's good. I dig a little bit deeper. Like, um, did everything go all right on the way to school tomorrow this morning? Or like, what's going on at home? Or like, I just see you look like you're not yourself lately. And I really I want you to know that even if you don't want to talk about it, just know that I care about you and that I would talk about it if you needed me to. And I think that that's you know, I'm not saying that that sort of behavior like I'm exhibiting would solve all of these problems that are going on in schools. Like there's, there's a hundred other pieces to these puzzles, but I do think that it would help. And I think that it in overall, it, it creates a culture of kids that are caring about other kids. So what I have, what happens to me, because I constantly have these conversations with students is I'll have a kid come in and say, um, Hey, so-and-so is, looking really down today or like this so-and-so's like mom called them last period and said something to them and it's now they're really down or they're acting out or they're or they like told a teacher off and that i love that because what it's doing is like we are creating a culture in our in our school where students are looking out for other students they're they're they are dropping names in a culture where where i teach like you don't talk about that stuff like snitches get stitches you don't tell on your homies and to tell me that your homie like dissed the teacher in the class before so that I can actually talk to them about it. It just means so much. And I just think teachers could do that. And, you know, I'm not going to carry a gun in my school. Like I'm not, I'm not that guy. I don't even, I wouldn't even get in a fist fight. Like I, 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 I can't patrol the door. I can't, I can't do much, but what I can do is help kids feel safe by telling them that I care and by looking out for kids that could become a potential problem in the future. Um, and that's what I try to do my best at. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, tagline for that, for anyone that is a policymaker or that is, could possibly watch this, that w- would have that, that power. The fact that we cannot adequately look out for our young people and that they are in schools. When we have money for all kinds of other ridiculous stuff in our in in our culture in our in our within government like the government can spend money on all kinds of stuff that to me is just not as important as keeping young people safe like if education is the is the pathway to success and happiness and freedom and we can't like like make sure that the pathway is a safe pathway for kids to explore and express themselves and learn and and they have to like look over their shoulder because they're not sure if those buildings are fortified enough. It's like, 
really? Like, like how is that even an, an issue? Why is this even a conversation? Why is it? And that goes to say, like, just spending in general, like why, like we don't have music in schools anymore because we can't afford it. But if we really feel like that's actually important, we can't afford therapy or to have a therapist in school or to have enough special ed resources for kids or to have like reading specialists. Like why is that even a conversation is mind boggling to me because education solves so many of the world's problems that if we just put the money and the time and the, and the effort into that, we just, it would minimize so many other issues in the world. And it just, it hurts my heart that we don't do that. Mm. Um, let's make this the last one or, okay. And then Keo comes for ass to see the dog. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I will show you my dog at the end of the, the slide feed. He got his hair cut and he looks very handsome. Uh, CCT is asking, do you all have a prom or dances at your school? So we do, and they are hilarious. So one, we have we just started having dances where there is a local. So there's two local all girls schools in Philadelphia. There's Hallahan and there's all and there's Girls High. And this year, from what I'm told, because I did not go because I have children. Um, the dance looked like a middle school dance where all the boys were on one side and all the girls were on the other side, just kind of like posted up against the wall, like not really sure what to do. And I have been privy to these moments before. And on the front end, I just amp the boys up and I'm like, dude, you got to, you got to make this like as, so, as long as you get people to start dancing, everyone will start dancing and then it'll rule. So they're very funny. Prom is different. Prom is homies that have gone to school for four years together, there is this undeniable sense of brotherhood. And it's really their first time that they could ever bring a date somewhere. So everyone finds like, once like the freshest gear, cause they all, all my boys wear like uh, uniforms also, everyone's got the freshest gear, the nicest car, the, the greatest, not only the, the prettiest girl that they could find, but I always tell them, I'm like, you have to bring someone that's going to have fun. You cannot bring some girl that really likes the way that she looks and she's just going to like post up at the table and not have fun. You need to bring someone that's going to dance and throw down. And so when they do that, prom is fantastic at our school because it's like four years of like, we made it through this all boys school. We're all going to college. This is our last hurrah. And it is awesome every year. It is really, really a sight to see. And I, I love it. Um, but yeah. Beast. You can show. You can show, but you do have one more question. I want you to. Oh, I do have one more question. But you can are you gonna? Are you not gonna? Are you gonna come up here? Come here. Come here. This is my beast. Oh, come here. I got you. It's okay. This is Bentley. We call him the Beast. His the full name is Bentley Chewbacca Sam Elliott Reynolds. Um, Marley wanted him to be called George Washington, which would have also been an awesome dog name. But can you say hi, Beast. George Washington. There it is. Um, okay, so your last question, last question is, is what? Can you take the beast? Mark I'm put him down. Back up a little bit so I can get him down safely. There you go. All right. Uh, last question is Mark Nelson is asking advice for men going into elementary ed. Mark, here's what my my advice is for you. I'm not bad mouthing anyone on purpose, but the other day I went on a field. Is that is that like when people say? Not to be racist. And it's like, dude, you know the next thing you say is going to be racist. Or like, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but here's my hurting feelings. So here we go, right? The other, and part of this is just who I am. On Friday, I went to the Museum of Natural Science in Philadelphia with my daughter to go on her class trip. Showed up late because I had school. But when I got there, I already knew I wanted to be the most fun chaperone, right? So I already knew that like um, when I want kids to walk down the hallway, telling kids to walk, it just doesn't always work. I'm not your parent. I'm not your regular teacher. I don't have procedures in place. And their teacher is really, really wonderful. Miss Schultz is a fantastic teacher. So, but what I do instead is um, we're going to walk down this hallway. Everyone's going to get behind me and you have to do whatever I do. So if I zig or I zag or I hop, or I walk funny, you have to do it. Or I say, all right, we have to walk down this hallway to get to the next thing. I need, you cannot run, but I need you to do the weirdest walk that you can to get there. It wins, because then kids will do that, right? Did we do this the other day? And was it awesome? Or if um, 
we're sitting at the table. I like, or so before we were supposed to leave, we're all waiting for the bus. It was about 10 minutes and it was super boring. All the kids are antsy. Everyone's looking for the bus and they're going nuts. And what did we do? What was our game that we played? Do you remember? Well, remember I was, I saw a squat on the ground and I have just my five students that are in our group, six students in front of me. And I say, and I just make up silly games. Like if, um, so I'm going to either sing a theme song and you have to say the show, or I'm going to tell you the show and you have to sing the theme song. Right. Yeah. And then what happened to our group as we were doing that? Did it get bigger? Right. We had tons of kids around us. Right. And this isn't a gig for everyone. Like not everyone does this and it's fine. Like if other chaperones don't want to do that, but I just know that my kids were engaged. They were doing something. We were having fun. We were being silly. And that was attracting more kids, kids I didn't even know, kids that never met me in my life were coming over and hanging out. And that's what I want to be all the time. So what I would say to that, Mark, is don't be afraid to go full tilt. What are you doing behind me, child? Um, <laughs> don't be afraid to go full tilt. Like, be awesome. Don't be afraid of what anyone else thinks. Don't be afraid that anyone's going to say, you're just a first-year teacher. Like, what? what makes you think you could do this or that's not sustainable or the kids aren't going to behave if you're silly, like whatever you want to do, make your classroom the greatest classroom those kids have ever gone through in their lives and make it so that it's memorable for years. And don't wait, not even five minutes to start doing that. Never listen to people that say don't smile until November or, or December or whatever the hell they say. Like smile immediately, smile before they're even in your classroom, make your classroom look like the greatest classroom the kids have ever walked into plan things that are the greatest lessons they've ever gone into. And when those lessons occasionally suck, when they fall apart, when the kids do act like total wild animals, then don't be afraid to scrap it, but don't give up on it. Still keep going and make your classroom amazing. Have great speakers, go on great trips, have great projects. Um, and just don't do what you feel you're supposed to do. Do what you know is best for the students always. And you win every single time. That is my advice to you. And on that note, um, one more time, I just want to ask before everyone uh, signs off. I'm thinking about doing this on Facebook from now on. Let me know if that is interesting to you. If that, because it's, because would you move with me if I, if I did that? And, um, is this something I should continue to do throughout the summer? I don't know. Like in the U.S., where most of us are done school by June, there are other schools that like have year-round schooling, or other schools have year-round schooling. Um, are there enough of you in other countries that would tune in for something like this? Like, just I'm just trying to get a gauge. I want to be helpful to you, as helpful as I can be. And then, um, so just let me know how I can do that and if that would be helpful to you. And that's it, right? This week's a normal week. I'll have a vlog back up next week. I have other cool videos coming out this week. And Marley has this weird blue squishy thing that she's been playing with lately. I'm going to um, make a video. That's it. Mar, how do we end every single video? How do we end every single Peace. video? Peace. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.